0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. I wonder if you ever think about serving God in mission in some of the more difficult places around the world. Sometimes you might think that serving in mission might be easy if it was on a tropical island, but what if you were in the middle of West Africa? Well, Mal Watts is joining us to talk about his family's experience. He's recently returned from Burkina Faso, where he was using his background in finance to serve with the mission organisation S.I.M. Mal and his family first went to Burkina Faso about 15 years ago, and Burkina Faso, one of the poorest countries in the world... And, of course, uh, the idea of sharing the gospel is a very strong motivation, and it's what motivates Mal Watts. Mal's joining us now. Hi, Mal. Welcome along to 2020.
1: Thanks very much, Neil.
0: Mal, you're back after 15 years in Burkina Faso, and uh, at this time your children are at a point where they need to be in an Australian school, I guess. Is that the, the reason for your return?
1: That's part of the reason, Neil. It's also um, that uh, SIM Australia really wanted someone with uh, field experience to be working in finance in their national office, and so they asked us if we'd consider coming to Sydney to work in the SIM national office here in Penthurst.
0: So is that a bit of a culture shock returning from Burkina Faso after all these years?
1: um, It was a huge culture shock, and someone described it like this, that uh, for our girls coming to Australia was like it was when uh, my wife and I first left Australia to go to Burkina. Um, so, yeah, it was a very difficult uh, choice but um, and a lot of culture shock that we're still getting used to.
0: Well, Burkina Faso, I suppose the first thing for listeners that are not so familiar geographically with the location of Burkina Faso, it's in West Africa, but how right. do you describe it? When people say, oh, where is that?
1: Um, I say Burkina Faso is in that lump on the left-hand side of the north part of Africa. Um, it's north of Ghana and south of Mali, um, right in the middle there of uh, that West African part of the African continent.
0: I mentioned it was one of the poorest countries in the world, yep. but uh, when you actually uh, work out just how poor, there is a human development index that, uh, that these sorts of poverty levels are measured on. Yep. Uh, where does Burkina Faso sit on the, uh, the poverty index?
1: Yeah, well, it is one of the poorest countries in the world, Neil, and it's actually number 183 out of 188. So it's pretty much near the bottom of the Human Development Index.
0: Okay, and so for an Aussie family turning up in one of the poorest countries in the world, what does that feel like when you experience the sort of cultural change from Australia to Burkina Faso?
1: Um, it's a bit of a shock, honestly, Neil, and you know. I think it took us time to get used to the fact of um, seeing poverty and homelessness and people struggling in life. But one of the things that really surprises us is that over time, a lot of the people there are not that much different to people here. You know, they're trying to make a living and get their kids in school and look after their families. So although the differences are very stark at first, after a while you can see that in many ways they're not so different at all.
0: You know, sometimes we think about the motivations of what might lead someone to go to a mission context, and sometimes we think it's uh, preachers with messages of the gospel are going into some of the deepest, darkest places around. Yep. But you're an accountant. Yeah. Uh, how did you get to feel a sense of calling to be able to serve people in mission as an accountant?
1: Well, it uh, it really started, I guess, now when I was growing up, and we always had, you know, the missionary prayer card stickers on our fridge as kids. And then I was 19 and I'd started uh, working and I was doing my business degree in accounting part-time. And we had a missionary doctor sharing at our home church and he was working uh, as a doctor in Nepal. But he said that he spent 80% of his time in the office and 20% of his time on the wards. And what they really needed was accountants and administrators to come and do that work so he could get back to doing doctoring work. And I never really thought about the fact that I could be a missionary accountant, and I think that was the seed that was sown uh, in my heart. It was like God gave me a big nudge that evening.
0: You know, I've heard that one of the most popular uh, professions uh, that's useful on the mission field are people who are school teachers. Uh, but I imagine that people who have accounting. Uh, credentials, accounting experience uh, can be very useful, particularly uh, for people who are trying to get on their feet and establish business and Mm -hmm. establish credibility and integrity. Uh, A very important uh, profession to be there on the mission field.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of it's not just in taking care of finances for missionaries and uh, for projects and offices but also being able to, you know, train people and uh, give input into their lives um, in how to be uh, good managers of funds that are trusted to them and how can we be good stewards of God's money. Um, and I think that's a great way of um, using accounting skills um, for God's glory in a mission context. Uh,
0: describe the people that you were working with there in Burkina Faso. Uh, were they, uh, are they, when we talk about, we mentioned poverty, uh, mm. but what's, how do you describe the people?
1: The people in Burkina are an amazing people, you know, and one of the things that's uh, incredible is that uh, how people with so little can still have a smile on their face. Um, Burkina Faso actually stands for the land of upright men or the land of people of integrity, and I think that's something that we really found, that people were very welcoming and very friendly, and, you know, they are all uh, wanting to learn and and progress as well, and uh, often very keen to hear about the message of Jesus, yeah.
0: And SIM, Mm -hmm. which stands for Serving in Mission, uh, an organization that's been around for a long, long time and well-established in so many different contexts in the mission field, they're serving everywhere. Tell us a little about SIM and your connection to them.
1: Yep. Well, SIM is um, an international, uh, interdenominational Christian mission organization, and uh, we serve in many countries around the world, and we really want to see people and prayers and funds mobilized uh, for God's mission. Uh, and we're really seeing people of all nations and tribes being brought into God's family where people are not just uh, coming from Western countries to serve as missionaries, but from other countries around the world to uh, make disciples of Jesus where he's least known. And SIM's got a real passion for um, reaching the unreached. And uh, for many years we've been involved with medical work and Bible schools and translation and lots of other things. And uh, we really want to see that the people don't miss out on the chance of hearing who Jesus is uh, in the world.
0: Well, the website for SIM is sim.org.au. Mal Watts is our guest. He's been serving with SIM 15 years in the West African nation of Burkina Faso. Stay with us, Mal, because I'm interested to just know how your family coped with being in one of the poorest countries in the world. We'll be back with some more in just a short while. Thanks, Neil. We're taking some time to talk about missionary endeavours in some of the poorest places around the world. Mal Watts is our guest. He's been serving with SIM in the West African nation of Burkina Faso. And that's where he was raising his family. We're talking through issues when you're in one of the poorest countries in the world. And we discussed the fact that Burkina Faso is rated 183 out of 188. In other words, one of the poorest Nations on Earth on the Human Development Index. And SIM has a wonderful work going there in Burkina Faso. Mal Watts is with us. Mal, tell me about raising a family in the mission field's conditions that you were living in in Burkina Faso.
1: It's interesting, Neil, because we've spent most of our uh, married life and raising family time actually in Burkina Faso, so it's really what seems normal to us. But I think one of the key things is that um our girls uh, both went to a French school. Our first daughter was uh, seven weeks old when we arrived in Burkina after language school, and our second daughter was born there. So they both actually see Burkina faso as home so um they uh, got very used to um you know living in a place where you wear flip flops all the time and um seeing lots of different cultures and I think you know in many ways um Making friendships with local people was key uh, for our family uh, in living in that sort of a context. It, It was really quite normal in many ways. Uh,
0: We talk about the culture shock of Aussies going to a place like Burkina Faso in West Africa, but when you bring the children home, Mm -hmm. it's like this uh, alternate culture shock coming back the other way, isn't it? So uh, your children, uh, now just getting into teenage years, uh, how easy is it for them to actually come back into our Australian context?
1: um it's been very hard uh to be honest, Neil, because our girls um you know have had such a wide exposure to so many things and they 've seen poverty and had friends who are hungry and are living in you know shanty town type situations so for them seeing you know particularly kids in their classes who um don't know much more than their little suburb and yet they 've seen the world they've found it very hard to adapt to people who don 't know and don 't understand and i I think the girls have you know found it difficult too that um Everyone has so much here and often we can uh, not realise how um, spoilt and fortunate we are when uh, lots and parts of the world don't have a lot.
0: I'm sure they've got their own stories to tell Certainly. with new friends that they'll make back here, here on Australian soil. Yes. Now, being an accountant and working in mission, uh, the sorts of responsibilities you would have had day to day. Really, I guess you were keeping the mission uh, functioning in a, in a, in a really uh, orderly way. Is that the way you were working?
1: Uh, very much so. I was actually their first uh, full-time uh, qualified accountant to come and be their um, mission finance manager. And, uh, you know, you work in finance in some organisations and you have a very narrow part of it, but it was very much a multi-skilled position, everything from cash to management reporting to internal auditing to management reporting. It's um, a key role and, uh, yeah, it was a very busy role but very rewarding as well.
0: I suspect very important, actually, for mission organisations that work in all sorts of different mission contexts to make sure that everything is... All those I's are dotted, and all the Ts are crossed, and everything is kept accountably uh, well in that uh, that level of integrity that I guess people who give to an organisation like SIM would expect.
1: Yeah, that's very much the case now. That you know we we have a real uh, responsibility in uh, looking after donors and donor intent, and then ensuring that money is spent uh, not just in the project or the situation it was allocated to, but done in a, a god honouring way. I think we're also responsible uh, not only to the Lord but to um, the countries where we're uh, we're hosts basically in being able to attest to the fact that the money that is coming in is being spent in the right way and it's um, benefiting the people of that country in the best way possible.
0: Tell us about the practical ministry work of SIM and uh, areas that you were involved in. I imagine there must be a lot of testimonies of just how... The word of God and the gospel goes out and and transforms people's lives. How do you reflect on those sorts of issues when people talk to you about how successful the work is in Burkina Faso?
1: Yeah, it's very much the case. I mean, there's so many stories that I could tell, and I think you know it can be little stories of individual people who've um, come to know the Lord. One story that impacts me uh, very much is a little blind girl who lived in a bush location. Um, who was discarded by her family, but she was um, brought to one of the the projects that we run there for handicapped kids and blind kids, and she learnt to read um, braille and to write braille. And then uh, not so long ago, she was able to speak at the 25th anniversary of that centre, and the American ambassador came to visit that town, and he heard about her and invited her to come to the US Embassy in the capital city of Burkina Faso, and she actually shared at uh, one of the big ceremonies there. So it's really looking at the way God transforms lives. And uh, she was able to share her testimony of how she um, came to know Jesus uh, through the ministry and people of that center.
0: And, of course, people coming to know Jesus, just the tip of the iceberg, because discipleship is such an important issue. And I imagine that SIM, in the context there that you were a part of, was very deeply and heavily involved in discipleship.
1: Yeah, that's very much the case. And, you know, one of my uh, ministries uh, outside of the office, that was my official role in the office as the accountant. But I was also involved in a local uh, African church, and the church that we attended had a youth centre where university students could come and study um, at night because a lot of them didn't have lights. And it was an opportunity to get alongside people. And uh, one young man that I spent a lot of time with um, who was 16 when I met him is. um, a young man called Michelle, and I worked with him over many years in just sharing life and encouraging him and uh, working through Bible studies with him and uh, Now he's a, a young married man working at our guest house and um, involved in his local church, so it shows that inputting over a long time can uh, can really reap rewards for the kingdom.
0: Certainly there's personal sacrifice in going to the mission field and you'd be aware that uh, there's a lot of what some people call missionary tourism where people are going on short-term visits uh, to various mission fields around the world and those things have to be good and they have certainly a positive spin-off for those nations that people are visiting. What is it though in your uh, mind, Mal, and you must think on this sort of thing, uh, to be able to commit yourself to 15 years on the mission fields, you really do have to to feel a sense of a call from God to actually do that. It's its bigger than just a, a missionary tourism visit, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's very much the case. And someone described it to me like this when um, we were living in Burkina. They actually said to us, you know, you guys, you unpacked your bags when you came, didn't you? And I think that describes it, that, you know, you're letting go of your home culture to fully invest in a local culture. And when we went back for our second term of service in uh, Burkina Faso, local people would say to us, oh, you came back. And I think that was an amazing testimony to them when they know all the good things, you know, that exist in a place like Australia, that we're willing to come back to a place like Burkina. And I think, you know, short-term mission is a great thing for giving people insight. But I think, too, that when people commit to come and stay and live and invest um, is when relationships really get made. What
0: do you do to prepare for some of the hardships that you do face when you go and live in a context like Burkina Faso?
1: Well, uh, with SIM, you know, you do a lot of training and we have orientation programs. Um, I think one of the things is being willing to understand and realise that, you know, things aren't going to be easy and then we do need to trust the Lord for it. But I think it's also... Being aware that um, we need to make friends locally and that really helps to understand some of the hardships that you're facing and to be part of a team, which I think SIM does really well, that you're part of a field team and um, have people around you who you can go and talk to and feel supported. I think, Nia, one of the things for us was being involved in that local church community um, where we weren't seen as the white family, we were just other members of the church and that really helped us to overcome difficult issues and talk to local people and understand it from uh, their perspective.
0: I suspect that when you are thinking about uh, pursuing some service for God in mission in a long-term sense, as you say, uh, SIM spends a fair bit of time preparing people, and there must be people who are making contact or knocking on the door saying, is this for me? And you say there's a fairly extensive training process that prepares you for what you're likely to find on the mission field. I guess once you go through that sort of preparation, you approach the missionary call with a level of confidence.
1: Yeah, I think to an extent that's true. Um, I think also that you, you do, it does come back to that whole thing of um, committing yourself to the Lord and trusting him um, because you don't really know how you're going to react to a place until you get there. We try and equip people with skills on how to manage in a cross-cultural situation. But I think in many ways, a lot of the people who I worked with, uh, you know, expatriate missionaries would say often that, you know, if I wasn't called by the Lord to do this ministry, I doubt I would have stayed. And I think that's what it really comes down to, that God's called me and equipped me, equipped me for it. And um, I'm going to be his instrument in this place.
0: And Mel, have you got any idea how many missionaries might be out in the field who are serving with SIM?
1: There's around uh, 1,800 missionaries around the world, and I think it's over 50 countries where we work now uh, with SIM.
0: Well, that's just so exciting to it's hear of that number of missionaries serving, and that's just one uh, missionary organization. We're talking about SIM, and I want to give the website, because there might be listeners who are saying, well, you know, this is what perhaps God is calling me to, and uh, I'll give that contact uh, address there. So it's sim.org.au. So easy to remember website, sim.org.au. Mal Watts was serving in Burkina Faso. He and his wife and his two daughters for 15 years and uh, back on Australian shores. And, Mal, just a pleasure hearing your insights. And uh, welcome home. And uh, I know that God's got good things for you as you settle into life here in Australia. Thanks so much for being with us today on 2020.
1: No worries. Thanks so much, Neil. God bless.
0: Before you go, thanks for listening.
1: There's lots more great audio on demand. Or
0: you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au.
1: And remember, Vision is listener-supported.